Welcome to the uh, Sunday edition of the Progress with Unity podcast, and I'm with Simon today. How are you doing, Simon? I'm not too bad, Barry, yourself? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. It's my turn to host on a Sunday, as we know. Yeah, nice little welcome break for myself. I can enjoy the podcast rather than try and keep the rabbling check. So this edition is going to be looking back at the Peterborough game, which was I felt was unfortunate to lose, and we're looking forward to the Charlton game. So as ever, we'll start off with uh, Peterborough. I'll run through the stats quite quickly, Simon, and then you can come in and, and uh, perhaps give us a little bit of analysis of them because they're interesting. Uh, Peterborough, 59% possession to our 41. Shots overall, quite even, 11 to 10. On target, we had the better with 3 to 7. Corners, 5 apiece. Fouls, 13 committed by Peterborough, 26 from the Latics, according to the referee. Three yellows to the uh, Posh and just the one yellow for the Latics, Luke Robinson. What do you make of them? Pretty even, isn't it? Uh, the, the the fouls committed oh, double uh, for us, and the referee, especially in that first half, seems if if we um, blew on a posh player, they, they were given a, a free kick. The, the standard referee, and, we, and we've said this numerous times, haven't we, in this league, has left something to be desired. I think look, looking at the stats and looking at the way the, ga- the way the game played, they don't really do us justice, do they? No, no, I, I think that 13 fouls to 26 for me was a, a little bit, like you say, is a bit, a bit uh, not telling of what actually was going on in the game. I mean, I thought for the first 10 minutes they were quite physical, especially that two footed lunge from Beavers, which another ref right. could have could, could quite easily have given a red card for that. Like you said, they, they seemed to be falling down at the drop of a hat, there were a lot of screaming going on. There was one occasion somebody ran into the box and, to, and such an obvious dive. But why they didn't get booked for it? I think it was Butler who did that. Why he didn't get booked, I have no idea. But it was a physical game. And obviously it led a little bit to perhaps Callum Lang being fortunate not to pick a red up when he stuck his head into the face of that Peterborough player. Well, yeah, he was doing exactly what you said on the uh, previous podcast, wasn't he? His, uh, his type of play. But he was, he was lucky not to to receive his marching orders. I think other referees would have given him his marching orders. But just going back to that, the, the two-footed challenge, what what the the posh player is doing there, I have no idea. You should not be going in for a challenge like that. I know they're playing on a plough field. At the end of the day, you should not be challenging like that because that could have ended someone's career if that had caught the wrong way. And like you say, you see it on different angles. It's divided opinions on social media. Was it a red? Was it not a red? I'd say it's a red. You know, you, you see you see players get booked for and sent off for less. I think the referee had a really poor game and it's one of those that you hope that the the match official group will have a look at and, you know, do something about. Because it's not just the referee yesterday, it's consistent throughout the season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, we've, we've, we've seen some poor displays this, this campaign. I agree. I thought he was rather poor yesterday. Let's, let's not dwell too much on that. Let's, let's look at the performance of... Of especially our players, very unfortunate in the first half not to take the lead when Joe Dodu hit the post. Yeah, again from a player that we've just mentioned there, wasn't it? Uh, Dan Butler sliced his clearance into against Dodu, and then he ended up thumping against the upright. And I think if we took the lead there and took it into um, you know into half time, a goal up, it'd have been a different affair. Because I think one of the main things for us is it, once we've taken the lead, it's dealing with, an, isn't it, that first 5, 10, 15 minutes after 
after taking the lead and it's making sure that we don't concede straight after. But it would have been just rewards. I think the first first like five, ten minutes we were straight into the posh, weren't we? And it really took the game to them. And I, I'm going to go and say it. I think that's one of our best performances this season. They are a good side and they're up at the top of, top of the table along with Lincoln. And we've played them both on consecutive weekends and more than matched them. And with a little bit of luck, we could have come away with six points. I mean, that is fascinating, really, considering where we've been. Probably a, a fair reflection might have been two draws. Definitely not two defeats. It's, that is the disappointing aspect of it. Uh, what about Tello's goal? Oh, that, that, was, that was nice and special. I don't know if you've had a chance to see the, uh, I want to say reverse angle. I think it might have been filmed on a, on a camera phone by Ash. Uh, oh, it just gets better and better. He meant that 100%, didn't he, that, uh, that corner. He's had a look, seeing where the keeper is, because the keeper's off his line and it took his chance. And fair play to the lad, you know, at, at his age, making such a big decision, because if that doesn't come off, you waste the corner, they then counter-attack and score, you're quite easily the villain. But what a cracking goal. Some talent, that lad. Something else, but it just shows the calibre of player and that's why he's so highly regarded and one that we've kept hold of, thankfully. Two things. First of all, the goals are 2,500th in the Football League, which was a, a nice a nice milestone and a landmark. And it's good that one of our own players, rather than a loan player or a short-term contract player, scored it. So I, I was quite pleased with that. And yeah. somebody who's come through the... Um, through the academy as well, I think that's that's really fitted to where we are at the moment. You know, as a club going forward, I think once the takeover sorted, this is going to be like the new era, and hopefully these lads are, go- are going to be the, our future. So it's nice that one of those got it. The second point, I didn't look at the table, but I knew we were out the bottom th- four, and I knew we were sitting quite comfortably. But I, I, I didn't want to tempt fate. About eighty minutes, I thought, oh, well, uh, let's have a look. Our scores are going. Let's see how things are affecting us. As as I've picked my phone up, the score notifications pinged through that Clark Harris had got the equaliser. Yeah, what a signal. Eight yeah. minutes this time. You just felt if we could have just gone on maybe another five minutes, we'd probably seen that game out. I thought it was a cracking header, that of Clark Harris. I thought it was a very good goal, that. I mean, I've seen people being critical of our defending in, in the in the box off it. He, stopped, he, he was all about power. It was his, he was winning that. We've had centre forwards like that, Graham Jones, others down the years. Uh, you know, the ball's in the air, they're winning it. That's it. There's nothing going to stop it, and and that's what he did. It was a very powerful letter. Do you not think? Look, looking back at it, and obviously it, it was Robinson who was at left back who um, was tasked with dealing with Clark Harris then. Just the wrong side of him, wasn't it? Maybe, but I think if it had been the right side of him, it wouldn't have made any difference. He's a powerful player, that lad. When you look at the size of him. He's, he is, he's, he's powerful. And I think it is just, I don't say cleaned him out, but it have out-muscled him without any doubt. It was his ball, he was getting it. It's nice to see that, I like that. I like, I, honestly, I could put my hands up and say, I like that, that was a good goal, I accept that. Perhaps we could have dealt with the, the cross coming in, stopped it, but it came in and, and, and we did. It's the second goal that did me. Just going back to that before, yeah, we do talk about the second goal. You don't want, Robinson having to deal with Clark Harris there, do you? You want one of your centre-backs to be able to get in and, and deal with him, don't you? So you're looking at you know either Wooten or Tilt to be there and deal with him, but frustrating. But like I say, it's, it's a good goal. You can't you can't take um, anything away from it, can't you, really? 
No, no, and, and strikers move about. I mean, a good striker won't stand still and he'll drop and he'll pull. And if he's dropped and tilts or Wooten's had to pass him on to Robinson, that's what happens in the game. That's what, what the yeah. defence are in it together. Then we got to that. Uh, and I've taken a bit of stick on, on social media, off our own, some of our own fans anyway, saying, Oops. yeah, saying that it was a definite penalty. <laughs> My God. God, it was not a definite penalty. That was not a definite penalty. It was a clumsy challenge, though, from Drew Equal, wasn't it? You don't want to be making those kind of, all those, giving the referee anything to think about in that situation. No, you don't. Again, it's it's modern football, isn't it? He's going down before his left foot goes across. He's going. He knows what's coming, and he's going down. I don't think there was enough contact. Well, I know there weren't enough contact in that challenge, to put him down. He's wrapped his right foot round Dorico's left leg and he's thrown himself to the ground. That's it. And the referee's given a penalty. Now, somebody said, would you... Uh, yeah, but you, you, you'd you have been screaming for us at the other end. Listen, Simon, if our player stood on his own with no opposition within five metres of him and he goes to the floor in the box, I'm shouting penalty because oh, I'm biased. I'm biased. But if I'm watching as a neutral, when I see free kicks, if that was out of the box, would I want? Would I have accepted it being a free kick? No, because he, he, he fell. He fell to the floor. He threw himself to the floor. It, it was Dembele. He did a similar thing later on where they're saying Dariqua stamped on his foot and he jumped up screaming. He didn't Yo, Oh, yeah. My yeah. goodness. It was disgraceful. But that's what happens in modern air football. Sometimes you think in League One you don't get to see that because the, the, the players are more honest. It's about getting stuck in. Do you know what? The, the guy who refed us against Bristol Rovers, I don't think he'd have awarded that penalty because no. he, he let a lot go. He, I thought he was a good referee. He let a lot go and he, I don't think he would have awarded that penalty. The final whistle went, massive disappointment to have lost the game, but so much pride in, in that performance and the players. Um and I think it's it's filling us full of hope, isn't it, for the next few weeks? Would you say? Oh, hundred percent, yeah. And I'm I'm boosted with the performance, and I think Liam Richardson's post match presser made you realise that, yeah, it, it, you know he's he's in that in that zone as well. And I'll just read out what it says: the post match team talk. I don't mind being open and honest. It was very simple for me. If you do churn out performances and effort levels like today then you'll get the results that you need. I don't want any heads down after today and nobody needs to feel sorry for themselves because if you give a good account of yourself, then you have another game in two or three days. Get your shoulders and your chest out and let's go fighting again on Tuesday. Yeah, fantastic. That's what you want yeah, to hear. That is what you want to hear. And we go again play like that. Obviously, I don't think you can play every game like that coming up towards the end of the season because the... The intensity levels are there. But if we can play like that more often than not, things may go in our favour. I'm not going to make a bold prediction, but I think things may go in our favour. On to Tuesday, Charlton Athletic in town. I mean, we had a bit of a we had a bit of a, a bond with Charlton and the fans, didn't we, over the summer, both in perilous uh, you know, situations. Uh, they've come out of it all right, got a solid owner now, and um, you know, we're hoping to be out out of this situation in the next week or two. Uh, fingers crossed that we will. So, yeah, earlier on today, I managed to speak to a Charlton fan, Simon. Uh, Tyler Rawlinson, who gives us a little bit of insight into 
what they've been up to over the uh, the few months since they got the takeover and what he thinks about you know the situation there and, and, and the future for them. So let's have a little listen to what Tyler had to say. And my name's Tyler Rowlinson, uh, Charlton Flake supporter and YouTuber, here to preview Tuesday night's game away at a DW against Wigan. Taken over in September uh, by Thomas Sangard. I think it was the best thing that could have happened for this club. We were in dire straits in the summer, had two disastrous ownerships the pre- uh, previously that year. But he came in, got the job done, took us over, fought money in the club straight away. We were in a, struggling in, in the summer to bring in players. He got the money on the table straight away and was just like, OK, get these players in as quick as you can. In January, he backed us as well. And he's also recently taken over the Charlton women's team as well. So he takes over the whole thing around the club now and his ambitions for the club, you know, to get us back in the championship, make us stable there and then eventually go above and beyond and take on the Premier League, which does sound nice. Um, <laughs> hopefully he can achieve that under us. But yeah, it's, it's going well on that front. If it wasn't for our start at the start of the season, we'd probably be a lot lower than that. Obviously, we, we started really well. Well, it, first couple of games, we started a bit slow and then we went on an, an eight game unbeaten run. Six wins in that with uh, six clean sheets. We were, we were on fire and looked really good for top two. And then come December, the Christmas period, it just sort of faded away. There's a number of number of reasons that as to why, but I won't bore you with that. <laughs> but basically, it just nosedived from there and the performances have been very lacklustre. The manager has got some things wrong. And we now find ourselves in in mid table, which, to be honest, we probably should have expected right at the start when we were when we basically didn't have a team together and were in dire straits of ownership. But it it, it has been disappointing. We are only five points off playoffs, but with the amount of teams that have games in hand on us above us, they're just going to pull even further and further away. I, I think this is where we're going to end up personally, where we are now. Currently, twelfth, we're probably going to end there or whereabouts, maybe a bit higher than that potentially. But yeah, it's been it's been disappointing, but. We go again next season. We need another rebuild, bring in a new team, and then we can hopefully fight for the title. Then the Lee Bowyer debate is, is certainly a divide amongst the Charlton fan base. There's there's a massive, massive divide. A lot of people want him in, a lot of people want him out. I think his comments after the Blackpool game it showed that there's something going wrong in that dressing room. There just seems to be a lack of relationship between him and the players. The players look like they just don't really care. They just look. Like they just look so lethargic, and they just, just like I said, they, just like they don't really give a toss. Bowie's comments, although like you, you would probably think it's just him speaking his mind. I don't think it will help the situation by saying that oh, they just look nervous. They don't really give me a reason for them to start on Tuesday. Like I said uh, in the previous question, I said that Bowie's done a lot of things wrong. I think tactically he's been quite naive. Sticks to the same hoop, uh, punt the ball long to our striker and pray. Team selections as well, constant rotation of the squad and the post-match comments haven't really helped things. But in my opinion, in regards to Bowie's future, I think at this point he's really proved himself to be out of his depth. And to be honest, I don't really see him as the man to lead us forward anymore. I, I don't think he'll be sacked come the end of the season. He'll probably be here still in the summer and then uh, our owner, Sangard, will take the decision to sack him or not. If he doesn't sack him and he stays in the summer, then we have to back him. Simple as that. We need to give him the summer to rebuild. Come October, November, we're still mid-table. Then he has to go. Simple as that. If he is sacked in the summer, I can't really say I'll be surprised, nor would I really complain about it. But it's a shame we're in the position we're in with Bowie because I wanted him to succeed. I wanted him to be the man. But I think just at the moment, he just looks out of his depth. And to be honest, I don't really think he's the man anymore. Who to look out for? I think definitely Jaden Stockley. I think from what he, when he's coming on loan from Preston, he's been absolutely fantastic. Four goals already. 
absolutely brilliant in the air. Like pretty much every single time he'll win those headers past your defenders, he really is a threat. We've got Liam Miller on the wing as well from Liverpool, very pacey player. Uh, just loves to run down that left-hand side and take on players. Our defender, Akin Famuo, centre-back on loan from Norwich. Uh, again, very physical, six foot three. Again, he'll cause you cause your attackers problems in the air. He loves to, like, he's, he's very composed as a centre-back. He'll uh, like love to run the ball out, or let it go out for a goal kick and shield the ball and make sure that it runs out. Andrew Shinney in the middle as well. A good player we signed from Luton. Uh, probably one of the only players that actually wants to create anything in the middle of the pitch, to be honest. His uh, set pieces are pretty good. Corners, free kicks. I'd, I'd highlight those as, as our danger men. Obviously, we've got Chucks and EK as well. As you said, our top scorer, 11 goals this season. But thankfully for you, he is out <laughs> on Tuesday due to the red card. I've heard that a lot of the fan base were saying that apparently it's not a red card and that we, we could potentially appeal it, but I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, he's not only missing the Wigan game, he's missing the next three after that because of his violent conduct that he got sent off for. Prattley as well, we're missing. He got sent off as well on Saturday on his 100th appearance for the club, which is just typical for him. Loves a challenging, but yeah, he'll be a, well, they'll both be a miss. And EK's physicality and his, uh, again, ability in the air and obviously being our top scorer, one of our main threats going forward. And then, Prattley, obviously, a, a commander in the middle of the pitch uh, and in full sun, if, if in, on, in honesty, probably one of our only leaders in that team missing. So, yeah, they're, they're both going to be huge misses. A prediction for the game on Tuesday. Both teams not in good form at all. From what you've been telling me, you guys aren't good at home, which is uh, good for me because we've been shocking at home as well, but rather decent away. It's where we can only seem to pick out a couple of results. I think that our performances of late, they've just been absolutely shocking. So, I don't really have much confidence, but... You guys being second bottom and not being good at home gives me some sort of optimism to think that we can try and get a result out of something. I think we'll probably concede with our defence right now, but I'll be optimistic and I will back a 2-1 win for Charlton. I think, we well, we need the win, basically. We need to try and get out of it. I know you guys are in the thick of a relegation battle and you'll be needing the win as well, but... I just think our performance has been awful lately. We just need to try and salvage something, get back in that playoff hunt. So I'll back a 2-1, but I'm not very confident. Well, one thing I'm going to take, well, a couple of things I've made um, notes on, really, that it's good that the owners have taken on the whole package and, and you know, have the aspirations, which is something obviously we're going to be looking for in the, the new ownership takeover um, because you want it, everything to go forward together, don't you? I've never known someone um, so disappointed with the season that, that they're having, you know, after so much uncertainty in, in the build-up to the year, to be in the position that they're in, we'd be buzzing, wouldn't we? 12th after, after everything that's gone on. But in a similar position to us where another rebuild is needed in the summer. Um, very interesting point on the players not caring, though. That was, that was something I took away. The, the polar opposite of what's going on at Wigan which is could be massive in well will be massive in helping us survive it's 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 surprising that the dressing room's feeling the way it is a couple of um ex-latics players in there isn't there? there's Alex Gilby uh, Jason Pierce Ben Watson's still there yeah so for, for me after listening to what he was saying and the one person he didn't mention Connor Washington he's an international footballer for a reason he's a decent striker what do, what do you think of his uh, prediction? I know you had a bit of a conversation with him, didn't you? And it's, you brought him up to speed, really, on where we were at. Well, I said he was down a bit, he, but he was really frustrated. I mean, they played Blackpool on Saturday and uh, the performance levels were, were pathetic, he said. And he, uh, it seems like all of them are losing their patience with, with Boyer. 
I just told him about our own form and what we've been like. And it seemed to buoy him about that because he said they're a decent away. I think they've won one away in, in February, haven't they? And yeah, that was at Rochdale. Rochdale early on. Yeah, so the, it looks like, like us, they perform better away from home. Uh, so he, he, I think he was thinking like either we'd win or they'd scrape a draw, but he, he, he turned that round to, uh, to forecast an away win for Chelsea, you know, so... We'll see. I think I'm, I, I hope I've lulled them all into a false sense of security, though, with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Just going back to the belief, uh, sorry, to the uh, the players don't care. Is that, for me, is is a bit of a management issue where it's not that they don't care. They've not got the belief. And I know Boyer's always critical about the players, or openly critical in the press, and after a while, it's going to get you that way. It's going to stop you believing in yourself and in your team that you're playing in. And and then that couldn't cure attitude. That's what it looks like. When, in fact, you're so low on confidence, you know, it's probably a managerial problem, that rather than the players not curing. Um, so hopefully we can play them on Tuesday, give them a bit of a drubbing, um, and then, you know, the uh, the... the the owner will turn around and, and get rid of Boyer and they can bring another manager in and, and make a, a fist of the rest of the season. Because I'll be honest with you, after what happened in the summer, I kind of liked Chelsea now. And I thought, once they started splashing the cash on plays in summer, I thought they were they were going to be going up. As uh, did I. And then they, they just drifted away, haven't they? Maybe, maybe it is a, a manager issue uh, where they're concerned. Not that I you know, advocate any manager getting sacked. Apart from Warren Joyce. <laughs> well, that, that, that's an interesting point. You know, you said about obviously the money that this Charleston has spent and uh, for going up. Do you think not having fans in ground has, has kind of given us the position that we're in in the league where you've got Lincoln and Peterborough top two, Hull third? You know, it's, it's a really upside down kind of situation, isn't it? Not the teams that you'd expect to be up there. You'd have expected Hull to be top of the, I know the, the top three, but. Uh, Charlton, like you say, you'd have expected them to be up there. Do, has, the, has the current situation played into the hands of other teams where you've not got raucous away ends or cauldrons to go to? Yeah, I think one thing it has done is taken home advantage away. I think it definitely yeah. taken home advantage away. There's no advantage to playing at home at, at the moment. Results... They can be up and down anyway, uh, and a lot of the games are more. I mean, it, it, it took the, a lot of the squads quite a while to settle in. You could see that, and maybe you know they, they, they were approaching games like like they were friendlies. You know, behind closed doors friendlies, as they have umpteen times a season, and yeah. it, it was a bit of an unreal aspect to them. Uh, maybe it's taken them that long to settle down, but I did enjoy Tuesday night. I thought that was a good battling performance. Two teams at it. I did enjoy Saturday, apart from their diving, but I thought still it was more like a football match. And one good thing about Saturday as well, I've got to pay this compliment to Peterborough and um, the supporters. It's got us talking about a game of football for a change rather than talking about the absolute shit show that's going on at the Latics, you know. So social media has just been awash with talking about the game and the things that went on within there. So refreshing to see. And, and I mean that. I, I honestly do. I mean that. It was refreshing. Shall we have a look at uh, what's happening in this game with our usual features, Simon? I'll, I'll start off with the referee, meet the ref. 
is 39-year-old Wiltshire-based referee Sam Allison, who is a firefighter by trade, so he's one of my one of my brothers. Another interesting point about Sam is the first black referee appointed to the national list since Uriah Rene, who retired in 2009. Anyway, so far this season, he's had 23 games, 66 yellows he's issued, one red card, and he's awarded five penalties. Mm, very interesting. Previously, we've played Charlton only 13 times. We've won five, drawn three, and lost five. First meeting, Barry, when did we first play Charlton Athletic? Well, if my memory serves, the first time we met was when we were in the Premier League that first season. We uh, did, yeah. 2005. Was it about October, September, October time? Yes. Um, it was, I know, in fact, it was August. It was one of the first games of the season. Darren Bent got the winner. I remember, uh, remember watching that. One nil defeat away from home. And last time we played them, ironically, away this season was a one nil defeat away from home. The form is not sparkling, though. They've won one, drawn one, and lost three. The last win, as we mentioned earlier on, was a 2-0 win at Rochdale at the start of February. How do you see the game going, Barry? Yeah, if we can keep our levels of performances up from the last three games, I think we've got a you know a, a good chance of getting something from, the, from this particular match. The only downside for me is the fact that Chelsea took a bit of a pace in at home. Uh, I'm sure that's at the players, and they'll want to put it right. Now, whether that belief is there within the squad, as I said before, I'm not too sure. I think this is where, you know, could be the game that turns our own form round because we've got two two games on the bounce at home now. So I I think, looking to sell one apiece, but I'm going to say we'll, we'll win this. We'll win this game 2-1. I want to remain cautiously optimistic. And I think, like you said, it's the levels that, if we can maintain those levels of performance, then... We will get a result. I'm I'm confident of that. I was interested, like you said, the shuffling of the deck. I saw that team line up yesterday in no Tello Asgard, thinking obviously it's on the bench, but you're thinking what's going on. But it was a game to suit and it was a starting lineup to suit the opposition, wasn't it? Charlton, is their season over now? Are they just you know going to just peter out? Hopefully. Um, hopefully that they are feeling that we need the points more and after that brotherhood in the summer, they'll uh, not roll over but uh, take it a bit easier on us. I know it's football and players want to win every game at the end of the day. Score prediction, and I tend to avoid giving them when I'm hosting because I'm, 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 I'm going to go with a home win. I don't know the scoreline yet. If I was to if I was to be put under pressure, I, I would go two one. But that's what I'd, I'd just go anyway. Well, that's the Sunday special uh, Progressive Unity podcast over and done with for another week. So on that note, it's a good Sunday afternoon from me and a good Sunday afternoon from me. Over the ticks.